The world of real estate investing is always changing. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, attorney and author Natalia Willett Grice has the expertise to provide valuable guidance on how to navigate the complexities of real estate investing. This is the Legacy Academy. Welcome to Hello and welcome to the Legacy Academy. I'm your host, Justin Grice, the COO of LCO Law. And with me is my wife, attorney Natalia Willett, the owner of LCO Law, and the author of Tax Deeds, How to Become and Stay Wealthy by Mastering Liens, Possession, and Marketability, and Florida Foreclosure Sales, How to Become and Stay Wealthy by Mastering Objections, Marketability, and Possession. Now, this week we're going to talk about an area of real estate investing that has a crap ton of bad information floating around the internet. <laughs> People just don't know what they don't know, mm -hmm. and they're taking this bad advice. Um, so today we're talking about wholesaling real estate. And uh, if you already fancy yourself a wholesaler, or if you are thinking about starting your own wholesaling business, you're going to want to listen to this closely because we're going to dispel some myths and, and you know give you the proper information of what you need to know to be successful. So first of all, for people who don't know Natalia, can you explain a little bit about what wholesaling is? Sure. So in a nutshell, wholesaling real estate is the act of assigning your interest as a buyer to an end buyer for either a fee or a bump up in the price to an end buyer. That's wholesaling. And lots of different kinds of real estate can be wholesaled. Vacant land can be wholesaled. Lots of different kinds of title can be wholesaled. Um, you know, you can wholesale uh, pre-probate property. You can wholesale tax deeds. You can wholesale, you know, property that was owned as a, as a warranty deed. So there's lots of flexibility in what you can convey, but the idea is you're doing it for a, B, a fee or a bump up uh, to your end buyer. It sounds uh, to me like it's a, a, a middleman yes. kind of transaction. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. Um, so how does one become a wholesaler? Is there any uh, special license or insurance required in Florida? So it varies by state, right? There are no special requirements here in Florida. So one of the biggest misconceptions out there is that you have to have your realtor license in order to be a wholesaler. Right. You do not. Uh, and in fact, if you have your realtor license, you actually are required to behave within larger restrictions sure. than if you do not, because then you'd be subjecting yourself to Chapter 475 of the Florida statutes and you get all sorts of new duties imposed upon you. Uh, rather than just being an independent private party. Um, so that's that aspect. And then, of course, you you are really, when you're a wholesaler, you're the boots on the ground, you're the cold caller, you're out there getting leads, you're helping somebody solve a problem. Uh, and that's generally somebody that, for whatever reason, can't do a traditional sale of their property. Sure, sure. What are some good examples of properties that would be... Um valuable to a wholesaler so you know a wholesaler right this is part of like when people think driving around for dollars right you're looking for distressed houses maybe you're looking at the pre-probate list the pre-foreclosure list pre-tax deed list pre-divorce list it's it's um you are providing a service to people that need to move to different kinds of circumstances that need to get out of a piece of real estate because they can't afford it. They're maybe going to assisted living. There's, you know, the siblings just couldn't get around to doing probate. So those are some places where you're gonna find wholesaling investment opportunities, right? All of these 
distressed situation. So it's not just about the property being physically distressed. It's about a situation in which it's kind of awkward to try to bring it to a traditional closing with an MLS listing and all sorts of people walking through the house. Yeah, maybe grandma, through. maybe grandma was a hoarder. Right. You know? Those kinds of circumstances. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so you, you touched on this a little bit about where they're going to find these investment opportunities. Cause we talked about tax deeds and foreclosures. Those are public record, mm -hmm. right? This doesn't sound like these kind of investment opportunities are public record. Right. And, and so that's where the value comes in of maybe acquiring some of those lists of potential leads, like the preferred closures, pre-tax deed, that kind of thing. Right. Are there any lists that uh, just off of the top of your head that you know of that they can access? Uh, Foreclosure Daily is a private company that uh, is really, um, most investors here in the Tampa Bay area are really familiar with it. You will probably have similar companies in the city where you are. The one of the best places where you can get that kind of information is go to your local real, right? Go to your local real estate investors association, see who their go-to person is for these lists. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Perfect. So what are the best ways to prepare for a potential wholesale property? So, um, like any other type of real estate investment, you need to know what you're getting into, right? So you've got to do your due diligence, um, which is not just looking at the property from the outside. It's knowing, who really is on title, right? So you need to have a title search done to let you know this person's the one that you should be talking to or these people, right? Um, if it's something that's pre-probate, then you need to understand who are all the potential interest holders at play. Has there been any probate um, proceedings opened? If not, you need to have a probate attorney on file that can give you an idea and estimate of the time and how much it's gonna cost to get that done. <clears throat> doesn't mean that you can't do it. it just means that you're going to need some cleanup work on, yeah, the, on the back end. some extra steps, right? Right, exactly. You need to know how your deal is going to be structured, right? So you need to know how you're going to fund it from your earnest money deposit to the closing fees to anything that you've promised, like um, money for them to pay for that rental van, to move out of the property, um, maybe any corrections that need to be done in terms of like cleanup fees with the county, right, or with the association, uh, you need to have the right contracts in place. Um, and you also need to have the right team in place. Uh, as just a wholesaler, you really do need a team. So I recommend that you have a title company, that you have the right internal players that are the ones that are out there, for example, looking at the property for you, making the phone calls for you, and you need to have them properly trained to say the right thing to people. Uh, you need to have your end buyers as your team, right? Yeah. A pool of end buyers that want to buy that property from you so that you're not stuck having to yeah, bring just the sitting on it, fund, right? right? Mm -hmm. You need to have a real estate attorney in place. And it helps, uh, depending on your style of wholesaling, to have a realtor that might be able to assist with listing the property. Right. Okay. So when I was answering the phones... I would get a lot of calls from people who wanted to be wholesalers. They're newer investors. They would contact us and say they want to get into wholesaling because they don't need to have like investment capital, right? Can you explain why this is correct or incorrect? <clears throat> yeah. So one of the other biggest myths out there about wholesalers is that they don't need to have any money. They don't need to put any money down on the contracts. And that's nonsense. Uh, a contract to be valid needs offer acceptance and consideration. That consideration for the contract being enforceable is having an earnest money deposit down. So you absolutely need to have an earnest money deposit down 
and it needs to be sufficient that it's not considered nominal or of no value. Sure. Um, yeah, you can't put a buck. Right. They on can't the put a buck. They can't put a hundred bucks. That's not enough to seal the deal and really force your seller to close something with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as far as that goes, you do need to have earnest money deposits. Um, they might not necessarily need to be coming from you. Maybe you have a joint venture partner that's the one that provides those funds, but they do need to be there and exist to seal the deal. <clears throat> All right. Um, the other aspect that you really need to be aware of is you're signing a contract to buy somebody's property. If you don't have that end buyer lined up and in place, that seller can sue you for specific performance, forcing you to bring the cash to close. So you do need to have the resources available for you to close it if you can't find that yeah, end buyer. Yeah, if something falls or through. Or somebody backs out. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. What are some common mistakes that you see when people start out with wholesaling? What What is something that really sticks with you? Uh, so common mistakes, having uh, really bad contracts that they download off the internet, um, <laughs> thinking that they can list the property on the MLS just because they've signed an agreement as a buyer, uh, behaving like a realtor, which means like showing it off or posting up the property as if they were a realtor and had the, the contractual relationship with the seller to um, promote the property on their behalf. That's not, uh, something that's okay to do. Okay. Um, also offering what I would consider like offering the wrong thing. So when you're a wholesaler, you're not a realtor, you're not their listing agent, right? So if you are wholesaling property, what you are offering end buyers is their rights, uh, your rights in the contract. You're not offering ownership of the property because you don't have that. Right. So you have to think of yourself more of like a stock <laughs> dealer yeah. than uh, a property owner who's selling real estate. You are selling contractual interest, the right to have something that might be of more value if the assets are improved. So you're kind of like, yeah, you're offering for sale the stock in the realty. Sure, sure. And, and it sounds like... Um, with the foreclosures and things like that, we were talking about last week, um, there's certain things that you can say and certain things you don't want to say because mm-hmm. you, there's legal implications yep. if you, you know, have that landlord tenant relationship, like in the foreclosure thing, right? right? Mm-hmm. Is that similar here? Like, cause you had mentioned that you don't want to, uh, offer the wrong thing, like offer possession of the property or, or whatever. Is that a similar situation there? Yeah, it's a it's a similar situation and, and you should, you know, have these conversations with your own attorney regarding the process, right? Of like, what is it okay for me to say? What shouldn't I say? How should I approach end buyers? How should I approach the public about my interests? Yeah, it sounds um, like you're not really allowed to market it, quote unquote. Yeah, the thing that you're allowed to market isn't what you traditionally think of, which is like, oh, the house and this, and it's a 3-2, and it's in this neighborhood, and beautiful, blah, 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 like a realtor, right? right? You're marketing something else. You're marketing your interest in the contract, which is why you start to talk about the numbers and the value in the deal itself. Sure. Okay. What are some pros and cons with wholesaling as opposed to more traditional types of investments? So pros are that it's generally starter friendly, right? You, I mean, you absolutely should have the earnest money deposit cash down. Um, It's faster in the sense that because these are distressed properties and these people need relief fairly quickly, um, they're 
they're going to be okay with a transaction closing faster. Sure. Um, your end buyers for these types of deals are usually going to be people with cash. So they're, they're quicker, right? You're not waiting for FHA or VA or USDA loan to get approved. Right. <clears throat> um, cons of wholesaling though are those issues that arise when you behave like a realtor when you don't set clear expectations of you know the process when your contracts are terrible and um easily allow somebody to back out of the deal without there being consequences so those are some of the pros and cons with wholesaling in florida all right so so they don't get themselves into trouble uh, how can wholesalers avoid potential legal pitfalls in the normal course of duty so, um, you know, uh, aside from not marketing the wrong thing, right? Don't promise what you can't deliver. Sure. Yep. <laughs> um, you need to really have done your your numbers ahead of time before signing on that that line as a buyer in the contract. Because the biggest financial mistake that leads to legal pitfalls is when you think it's only going to take a certain amount of money and a certain amount of time to, to get the property up to the condition that it should be for an end buyer to be able to make a, their their profit on it. And you grossly underestimate what it takes. So if you don't know, get a mentor and partner up with somebody so that you learn to truly calculate those values. Because if you end up, again, having no end buyer that's interested, you have the legal liability under the contract to close. Right. Right. So you would have to come up with the money for the whole mm -hmm. purchase price. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you need the right contracts with the right protection, right? Real protection as to if your seller misbehaves and wants to back out. Real consequences as to that. Clear timelines of when things are supposed to happen, not just like, hey, it should close on or before this day and no time timelines as to anything else. That like poor contracts make for poor results. All right. Well, since we're talking about contracts, what are the must-haves in a wholesaling contract? All right, so I've already mentioned like deadlines, right? Deadlines, so some yeah. deadlines that are really important are like when do you need to have your earnest money deposit um, given to the title company and do not give this to the seller, <laughs> give it to the title company. Um, you need to have deadlines for inspections, right? You need to have deadlines for uh, curing or repairing things. So like if the seller's payoff from the HOA says, yeah, there's these assessments too, but also uh, the door needs to be cleaned, the mailbox needs to be cleaned, blah, 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 right? So if there's those things, put in deadlines for them to have it so that you can get your deposit back for a number of, of different reasons rather than just, well, it didn't close, so I get my money back kind of a thing because that's that's the toughest type of argument to make. Sure. Uh, you need to have clear access requirements so that you can go and have the property and have your inspectors go look at the property and make sure that it says very, very clearly that the seller must provide access. You need to have non-agency disclosures. This is where you're saying to the, uh, the seller that you are not their agent. You represent only yourself and your own interests, and they are very individual and probably adverse to the interests of the seller. Sure. Because you're not their realtor. Yep. Um, you need to have penalties for backing out or delaying closing, like a per DM fee for delaying closing. Um, you need to have clear statements as to whether an earnest money deposit is refundable or non-refundable and by when. Um, the inspection period needs to be put in. You need to have an attorney's fees provision. Oh my God, if I if I could tell you how many of these wholesaler contracts that they've brought to me that they've downloaded off the internet or gotten off a mentor or who knows where else. And like 
90% of them don't have any provisions for getting attorney's fees. Here's the reality. In, in Florida, if you don't have it in your contract, there's no statute as far as real estate sale purchase transactions that's going to give you or award you attorney's fees for people not doing what they're supposed to do. It has to be written into your contract. Yeah, there has to be a consequence for not performing on the contract, right? Right. But like you being able to get as a reward for their failure to follow through, attorney's fees must be written in. If it's not written in, you're not entitled to it. So, So there's no incentive, right? If you don't have attorney's fees provisions, there's no incentive for those other people to cooperate with you because you can incur tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees. And if you can't get it back and have it be a penalty against them, then you're stuck with very difficult circumstances, right? Lots of unenforceable contracts where people are just going to keep breaching. Um, You need to have separate assignment contracts if you're doing this via assignments with clear assignment terms that also say what happens if the assignee doesn't behave or perform under the contract. And you need to have those incentives that you've talked about with with the seller clearly stated in the contract. So, you know, if you leave by such and such date, the buyer is going to provide you uh, X amount of money for uh, your uh, moving truck, right? Or the, you know, additional incentive if you're out, you know, 15 days before blah, 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 closing date, right? So that all needs to be written in. Otherwise, it's not there. It's not part of the contract. Uh, So those are some of like the must-haves in wholesaling. Okay. So, you, you, you keep talking about people downloading these contracts. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't the Florida Bar or the Florida Real Estate Association, don't they have wholesaling contracts for free available on their website? No. They do not. <laughs> they do not. So the Florida Association of Realtors and Florida Bar have these form contracts that are promulgated, meaning they create them, they get together every few years and update these contracts. They are not freely available to the public. Okay. They are available to brokerages for realtors, and they are available to attorneys who are part of Reptile, the real estate uh, property probate trust section of the Florida Bar. Okay. So those are the attorneys that have access to them. This is not something you can just find online. Okay. All right. So yeah, it's even more important that, you know, that you're properly advised, you're properly yes. advised. Right. <laughs> now, how can investors in Florida, you know, these guys who are getting into wholesaling, how the, can they ensure that they're compliant with all relevant laws? Cause laws change all the time. Mm-hmm. They do. You know what I mean? How can they ensure that they're compliant with all of these wholesaling laws in Florida? Well, you, you need to regularly consult and retain a real estate attorney. Um, one of the, the, best places where you can kind of like keep up to date with potential changes is attending the meetings of your local RIA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they often invite guests that give you updates on, on taxes, on legal matters, on the processes that, that are required. Um, you know, wholesalers will also share their experiences <laughs> and like, you know, the mistakes that they made at these kinds of meetings. Uh, another way to make sure that you're compliant is to stop using those online forms downloaded online. You don't know what states they're come from. They come from. You don't know if they are compliant or not. All you know is that there's this like free paper available, but it, it potentially and likely will not serve you. Right. Um, and just in case anybody wasn't sure, not everything you get on the internet is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you should be developing checklists 
uh, after those conversations with your real estate attorney where they've kind of given you the guide on some of the issues that might arise, take that conversation and develop it into a series of checklists for you so that you know, for example, okay, if this is property that belongs to an estate, here are the things that I need to be asking. If this is somebody's homestead, I should be asking about marital status of the seller, right? Like that that was one of the cases that we dealt with. There was um, uh, and the investor client of ours had acquired property through a wholesaler. The wholesaler didn't do their job and verify that the seller was married or divorced. Um, it was done through a title company. The title company just took the word for it. And lo and behold, when the investor went, the end buyer investor went to get possession of the property, the person there was like, this is my house. I'm the wife of the person that signed those things for you. Oh, man. So you have to be very, very careful. Yeah, that whole thing had to be undone. And there was a title claim and all that. Um, so really make those into checklists that you are then going to build as a resource and way to protect yourself. Excellent. So finally, we've we've given so much valuable information for people who are starting out on wholesalers. So as we always do, what are three things that an investor must do to be successful with wholesaling? Uh, so number one, tying back to what I just spoke about, know who you're dealing with and the kind of title that they can give you. Okay. okay? Know that if you are dealing with heirs, there's going to be probate issues at hand. They're not going to be able to give you good title. A quick claim deed's not going to be worth much without that probate. Um, same thing if you're dealing with the spouses that are, you know, working through divorce proceedings, both of them are going to need to cooperate. So know who you're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. uh, number two, you've really got to know your numbers. I mean, know the potential, like really know the potential cash flow for that property, know the real after resale value to the end buyer, um, your repair estimates that you're thought that you had bump those up by 10 to 15 percent because it's going to happen so that you get to a realistic number that you're going to offer that seller yeah um and bump your timelines for doing those repairs by at least 30 days because whatever you're thinking you're underestimating yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah something always goes wrong when you're something, fixing something around the house something will always go wrong um and then number three always have your pool of end buyers in advance yes. and of your funding resources in advance. Okay, you don't so want to be scrambling around. You do not. You do not. The last thing you want to do is to have to do an emergency HELOC on your house to close on a deal that you're going to get sued for if you don't close on because you, you've waited too long and you didn't plan in advance. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast application. And then tune in every Monday to get more tips on how to avoid investing's legal pitfalls and take your real estate business to the next level. You can also find us online at lcolawfl.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Legacy Academy FL.